What's up, everybody? Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy coming at you with another fun podcast episode. Uh, thanks for being here. If you haven't liked our channel, definitely do that. Feel free to leave comments as well. Uh, anywhere you're listening to this, we really do appreciate it. And then if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review, please do so. We would really appreciate it. So today I actually bring a wonderful guest on. He's a biomedical engineer. I know that's outside of our civil engineering realm, but really doesn't matter because he is a leader and he teaches plenty of stuff about soft skills and development. He uh, is an auditor and he has transitioned into being a mentor and uh, giving presentations on really on a bunch of life skills. He's written a book that's really wonderful. It's called Life's Nonconformities and his name is Salman Raza and he is an awesome guest. So you can go check him out at salmanraza.net that's s-a-l-m-a-n-r-a-z-a dot net and in his book he talks about personality traits how to deal with egos what powerful vulnerability means cultural awareness and a ton of other topics so in today's episode we do dive into those topics today a little bit Uh, we also talk about um, more about his background and his book but i think these are all things that you're really going to enjoy i know i enjoyed as i talk talked with him about all this stuff so anyway i hope you enjoy the episode uh before we get to it though i just want to make a awesome announcement and that is uh, i have started to create something if you are an engineer and want to create something on the side of your own career we started a website called late night entrepreneur.com uh, i've created a course called engineer to entrepreneur teaching engineers how to go from uh, being an engineer to being an entrepreneur online and creating a course-based business that's going to help you grow uh, as I have on the side of uh, my own career. So go check it out. It's going to be at latenightentrepreneur.com. Go sign up and you can be one of the first adopters of the course as we release that. So with that and without, you know, dragging this out too long, let's get to our interview with Salman. You're really going to enjoy it. All right. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Uh, Salman, how are you? Doing well. Thank you, uh, Isaac. Yeah, I'm so glad that you joined us today and excited to kind of share your wisdom and knowledge. It sounds like you've got a lot of experience doing a lot of fun things. So uh, before we dive into the podcast, um, I have a very small biography about yourself, but I would love for you to try to describe a little bit about your background and what you do today. Well, thank you. Uh, well, I'm a biomedical engineer by qualification. I've done my bachelor's and master's in biomedical engineering. Uh, and then that led me to medical device design and development, and then eventually medical device regulatory audits. So hmm. I've done medical device regulatory audits for a number of years. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I I switched things again and I became consultant. Uh, now I uh, help uh, small uh, startups and medium to big size companies uh, in strategy, um, infrastructure, and uh, soft skills. Soft skills is one of my favorite area now, so I spend a lot of time teaching people. Uh, and managers and leaders how to communicate and interact in professional settings. Um, So uh, I run a consultancy called Resolution Bureau, 
uh, and I'm part of um, uh, International Cultural Institute called Hofstede Insight. So I deliver awareness mm. courses uh, of intercultural uh, communication. Um, and um, that's what I do. And um, I'm glad, uh, happy to share your, um, your audience uh, experience and things that I have. And I got to mention one of the most important thing uh my um uh, my first book uh just published um a couple of days ago uh so it's life's non-conformance uh, conformities and uh in the book we are talking about all the good stuff uh, how to interact with people telling my mistakes and my stories so um hopefully uh we'll get to talk a bit more about that yeah that's great I'm curious, so you got a degree in biomedical engineering. You probably had a pretty decent career going on. What, where was that transition into, I want to, um, you know, be kind of this, this coach and, and help people with, with, uh, with these things that you've noticed that people need help with, like soft skills and, and other areas. How, what was the mindset there? How did that transition happen? It's, it's an interesting story and I, I find it very, uh, uh, it was, uh, I switched job a few years ago, and now I'm taking you back about uh, about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was doing an audit, and I, I was fine, have a young family, paying mortgage, all that sort of thing. I switched a job. So I uh, switched, same job, but from one company to another. And uh, even though it was exactly the same job, but for a different company, and uh, the company culture was different and the expectations were quite different. And I got really uh, stressed in this new workplace. Mm. Um, and as it happens, coincidentally, uh, as universe transpired, I started reading a book by Kristen, um, uh, 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 Christensen. Um, uh, what's his first name? It's escaping me. A very, very famous author. Uh, his book, uh, How Would You Measure Your Life? So in that book, it, it, it asks you a certain question and uh, take you on a journey. What makes you take? And I start asking that question, why I was enjoying my previous role and why I'm not enjoying this. And to cut the long story short, I realize, actually, I like teaching. I like coaching. I like helping people. Uh, but that realization, I'm thinking, that's too late now. I have I have a career. I have invested a lot of time in this career, and now mm -hmm. I have a family and mortgage. I cannot go back to teaching or start from scratch. Uh, so all that um, conversation that happening in my head, and then I I had an aha moment. I said it doesn't have to be teaching, and I I found a way to do my day job uh, in a way that as if I was teaching. Mm. Uh, so even though I was an auditing uh, medical device company, so instead of, so I went in uh, doing exactly the same job, but I switched the way I did it. So instead of asking direct questions, where is this document and what is, uh, how you have done it, um, I started using boards and start explaining what the regulations is expecting from the manufacturer. So, okay, this is the regulations. Mm. A lot of times uh, in my experience, people didn't understand the regulations and that creates frustration on the auditor's part and 
uh, communication gap exists. So what I start doing, I said, okay, this is what the standard expectations are. This is what regulations are requiring. So I take my desire and urge to teach in a setting where I'm explaining what the requirements are and then asking them, show me where you have covered that. So, so in a nutshell, what I've done, my, my intrinsic need to teach and coach, uh, I adjusted it within my uh, profession and it uh, did me wonders, not only to me, uh, to my clients, and they, I became a very popular auditor because people thought we are getting two in one because we're getting not only training, we're getting audits out, and it's very uh, conducive interaction. Uh, so it just that's great. It's great, and then of course once I realize I, I that's what ticks, then I gradually start taking interest into uh, teaching and coaching and finding other soft skills. So that's that's the. Uh, uh, long that, short story. Of that's my- an amazing story, and I, I imagine every engineer kind of asks the same question to themselves. But that's that's. I'm glad you were able to to figure that out and and the success that you've had and where you're at today. So, I guess uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask is, as being an auditor and doing your teaching and explaining, how important is communication that you've noticed as as you've gone through being an auditor? It is fundamentally paramount. The the challenge, uh, a lot of engineers, including myself, uh, when we choose professions, uh, it's a lot to do with our aptitude and uh, how our mind is wired and how we think and how we come across. And because of that aptitude, um, we excel in this profession. So in my experience, I have observed a lot of engineers, including myself, uh, early days, um, we struggle to communicate in in teams. We are in, a lot of them happens to be introverted, reflective type. We love innovation. We love coming up with ideas, but we find difficult to explain our ideas and express ourselves. Hmm. So communication is very important. So once you understand your own strengths, it's not weakness. I, I, I tell my clients now and I tell all my engineers, being an introvert and being a quiet person is not a weakness. It's a strength. Use it as a strength. Just, mm-hmm. just be aware of it. So once we understand and become aware of what dynamics I have and what the dynamics I'm going to interact with, uh, half the battles won and then you realize okay i need this strategy to effectively communicate in this audience group and um, it's paramount doesn't matter if i'm auditing or i'm doing a sales pitch or i'm i'm doing a an idea pitch or innovative uh, it could be anything and everything once Hmm. we realize the dynamics of the situation that's amazing. I know communication is such a huge part in engineering, and many times it's not quite taught in colleges until you kind of get out of school and start dealing with real life situations. And, um, you know, big errors can be made if you're not communicating or issues can be resolved if you're not communicating. This is kind of a big deal. Um, so thanks for thanks for touching upon that. 
Um, in your book, you talk about you do talk about um, knowing the traits of people. How have you managed to understand the different traits of people? Yeah, very good question. Um, so there is no one source that I could say listen to this podcast or read that book. It's a journey, and everyone uh, is different. Some people find it uh, reading books will uh, give you that awareness. So it's a journey. So the way I have found it, I, with my inquisitive mind, I learned about different uh, tools that are readily available, whether it's Myers-Briggs or Kersey Temperament. It gives you basic level of awareness. Okay, what's going around mm. us? What different types of people exist and where I am in that uh, scale? Once you have that awareness, then it's trial and error. And then you use some uh, methods. And even though uh, these courses and these uh, techniques, uh, they give they take you a certain level, but we have to find as an individual what makes uh, tick, you know, what, what works for me as an individual. And it is like a trial and error. And consultants and coaches, they can speed up that process, but ultimately it's an individual journey that we all have to take. Uh, so yeah, I I did several courses and several awareness sessions and then continuous uh, observation of people and their behaviors in certain circumstances. That's interesting. So that's, you, that's are, yeah. Are there certain character traits that you feel like can really help um, engineers excel in their careers or what what have you noticed maybe uh, are traits that we could strive for that we might not have or is it just kind of the natural things that we already have in, in us and we're just trying to recognize what those traits are and play to our strengths yeah the the strengths once we know this is our strength and once we know what our counterpart is uh is uh, dealing with and uh, and what the traits are, then we have to find a way. So uh, let me share an example. So an introverted person like me or a lot of engineers, um, we are reflective types. So if someone asks a question, we like to take a few moments to think through before we answer. A lot of extroverted people, uh, they start talking and while they're talking, they're thinking. So there is a communication mm. gap. And then what happens that if the introverted person is thinking through that few seconds of silence is, is killer for extroverted type person. So they try to interject by clarifying their questions, whereas the clarification wasn't needed. Uh, it was just a silence that was the need of the hour so hmm. i realized okay that is happens to me a lot of people trying to help me in their mind but but they're actually interrupting my thought process so the way you manage that i said the way i have managed it i let them know that i'm now in thinking mode so when i receive that information i need some time to think i start the conversation let me think. So just by the little gesture of let me think, now they know I'm thinking and I'll come back to you. That's one way of doing it. The other potential way of doing it 
when I can, not always can be possible, they start thinking loudly so that they know what I'm thinking. So there is a, there is a, a tactic and strategy that I found myself effectively working for me because now I have, haven't changed my trait. I'm dealing with my trait and strength, but with an extroverted type person, I have tried to address their need of knowing what's happening. Uh, so that's one example. There's, there can be several others um, that we uh, use in the effective communication. Okay. No, I, I love that. Just letting people know that, hey, give me a second to think about this. Gives them, you know, some clarity on knowing that you're going to take a little bit of time to think about what's going on. And yeah, I agree that most civil engineers or engineers in general probably feel like they're more introverted than extroverted. Um, so that's, I think that's a really great tip. Mm. Um, you mentioned working with a lot of workplaces, a lot of different um, businesses and schools and things of this nature. Are there soft skills or character traits that you feel or that you see repeatedly that are, are lacking in, in a workplace? Absolutely. There is, there is a big uh, gap wherever you go. Uh, when I see, um, and a lot of times uh, what we negatively uh, call it work politics, it happens because of uh, a lack of uh, awareness of uh, aptitudes and communication. So, um, so if I'm working in R and D or engineering, we have a certain way of thinking and a certain way of uh, putting things through. Conversely, if you are in uh, marketing and sales and HR, they are very, you know, uh, uh, very expressive environment. Uh, so, what happens unknowingly, unnoticeably, people start going into the judging mode they start judging people this is right this is wrong they don't hang out with us they don't do all yes. this is unnecessary because people fail to recognize that i work effectively if i'm left alone with my deadlines i will come to you if i need anything you don't need to come and hug me every single second uh, but at the same time the others, they, they like, they get energy from people. So the, they need that interaction. So awareness of these different traits and different skills and different uh, preferences uh, makes us uh, be mindful of individual need and then say, okay, I, this person is a very important part of my team. I will allow them to work with their style so that the team benefits and the work benefits from them. So uh, hmm. there's a lot of uh, potential in that aspect. I wanna throw out a scenario to you that I have seen personally uh, in a workplace scenario and just kind of get your thoughts around it. But um, in places that I've been to, um, I've seen where uh, the work environment hasn't been necessarily trending upward. It's been, been trending down. And managers feel like they're handcuffed on what they can do in terms of, let's say, if it was just to hire more people because the work is just so much. And, but the, but the, the management above them 
you're you're trying to so you're an employee, but you're trying to voice your opinion not only to your manager but maybe even a director above them to to really let them know uh, the issues you see at the ground level and whether that's like hire more bodies because we simply can't keep up with the work. It seems like in today's year, the big word is burnout. A lot of people, a lot of a lot of employees are are feeling burnout, and you know whether that's COVID related or all of those things. Uh, what advice would you have when when you feel like your communication, like you can't? It, most employers don't feel like they can overleap a manager to go talk to a director about stuff. I don't, I don't know how how do you create an environment where you can communicate the issues that you see that you have. You would probably stay with the company if you could just, you know, communicate what the needs are a little bit better and actually have those needs be heard. Uh, do you have any advice yeah. on those kind of scenarios? There are several layers to this question. So, uh, mm-hmm. and if I can uh, briefly list the uh, potential areas for improvement and then we'll, so they, there's one thing that we, uh, we teach is organizational culture. So as an organization, we need to uh, decide these managers, senior managers and uh, owners, uh, what type of organization we want to create. Do we want uh, uh, goal-oriented or means-oriented? Or do we? So there are several uh, dimensions that we go through to assess the organization and where the organization wants to go. Mm. Uh, and that... Uh, Slightly different conversation, but you have to have the right uh, vision very clearly defined and the vision is clearly communicated and then strategies align with this and then everyone knows what's going on. And then it becomes easier in terms of communication because we all trying to achieve the same thing because it's so clear in terms of uh, 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 communication. And, and then the focus will shift on how rather than who. So once we 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 know, and then the, when we focus is on how we are not achieving it, what is happening, then it becomes more scientific to assess. Uh, okay, ten out of uh, or nine out of ten times the issue was because of lack of resource, and then you say, okay, my uh-huh. system, my my data is suggesting that I need more resource. So it becomes more more objective driven rather than individual subjective opinion. So how part of the solution is the organization culture. How do we create an organization uh, with clear communication of clear vision identification, clear strategy and communication to all levels so that everyone knows what their role is. Now that's the organization level. Now at the personal level, I cannot change everything for my company. I can do to a certain extent, but I cannot change the world on my own. Mm-hmm. So, so in that scenario, in that context, we need to see as a person what my vision is, what my strategy is, and if I can influence that within my sphere of influence. If I have tried several ways and I... My organization is now becoming misaligned with my vision and my strategy and my progression, and my communication is is not solving that. Then perhaps it's the time to uh, time to reassess 
where you want to be, whether your your vision is well served staying at that organization or whether I should I should start looking elsewhere. But the there is no easy right answer that we can say yeah. if you do this, it will solve the problem. But we need to see things from several angles organization cultural and personal management and communication and then of course personal vision and personal strategy i think those are great answers i bring that up because um you know i have read that we're calling this period the great resignation in the workplace these days because there have been millions of people that have said you know i quit to a job so it seems like there's some sort of cultural shift where the employer is not aligned with employees. There's something missing there, but uh, good advice. Uh, what if you, if you're at your workplace and you're dealing with someone with a big ego? How do we? How do you? What advice would you have to to manage that ego? Uh, that is a great question. Ego is one of the most important aspects that's almost always uh, overlooked. Uh, and in, in my book, we have uh, captured it um, at great strength. Um, we have to understand the ego and the principles of ego. It's deep in our psychology. It, it, it gets triggered and we need to identify those certain triggers. So once we understand my own personal triggers and my personal um, uh, things, because that I can control, that once we know the dynamics of individual, my person, my personality, what what are my trigger buttons and triggers phrases or trigger situations, then I can manage uh, how to um, handle a passive aggressor or, or someone who is very egoistic. Hmm. So emotion plays part and someone says something that makes me feel really angry. Now, my sometimes my ego is, is triggered. And now I'm feeling all sorts of emotions. And when my emotions um, get triggered, a lot of time my rational mind stops working and I just start feeling, you know, start making decisions emotionally. Mm -hmm. So the important thing is to check the stock of your own personal emotions. Like what I'm feeling right now, if I'm feeling angry, what level of intensity anger uh, is there? And the other important thing is I need to disassociate uh, that emotion from me. I'm not angry. There is an anger in me. So straight away, I realized I'm not angry. I'm, I should not be associated with anger. There is an anger in me. So I need to get rid of that anger. So that's not me. Anger is not me there is an anger somehow uninvitingly uh, penetrated inside me. So that's the first step. The second step is what level or what intensity I'm feeling. So do I feel like I'm annoyed or I feel like I need to punch someone? So there is a different level of intensity of anger and frustration. So once we have gone through the stock of emotions and intensity, every intensity, intensity every emotion will ha uh, have a different strategy to cope with it sometime for less uh, you just need to take a deep breath and walk away change the topic 
or sometimes you have to completely walk away from this. Sometimes you have to drink water and you know do something extraordinary. So there it is a journey, and you, we individual, we have to figure out, okay, what is happening, what has just happened, and where I am at, what can I control. So that's my personal strategy dealing with my personal ego triggers. Now, the second part of the issue is individual that is not in my control. I'm dealing with someone who is who is, who is showing that uh, behavior that is triggering that emotions at my end. So my role in that is try to control my emotions and believe it or not, we can make changes in other person's emotion through my emotion. So for example, if hmm. someone starts yelling at me, there are different levels of sound, you know, uh, loudness and pitch. If someone is yelling me at, on a scale of 10, yelling me at sound levels six or seven, and my response is six or seven or even eight, don't expect explosion. To it will go higher and higher. But if I start responding with level three, you will see in next few sentences, the other person will automatically bring their tone down. So I'm with my behavior, I'm bringing the situation into a manageable situation. So instead of instigating or encouraging uh, uncontrollable, irrational behavior, because I'm mindful what is happening, I can control other person's behavior by just calming things down. Just take a deep breath, start responding in a low tone voice, calming voice, and then slowly and gradually, they will realize actually, there is no need for me that high pitch. I can lower down my tone. So that's, that's, the emotions that I can control and that will uh, trigger the behavioral change in uh, someone else. I love that. That's a great way to deal with egos, manage personality kind of conflicts that come up. So great advice. Um, you have so many other tips in your book, but I, I noticed, I, I want to get to this, but um, I, I want to know your thought process on how your book came about which you've titled Life's Nonconformities. You talk a lot about all kinds of great information in there. One of them I really liked was called Powerful Vulnerability and what that means. But could you take us through um, how you went about writing this book? What was the drive for that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, uh, the story goes, I, I won't ru um, ruin the story. It's very detailed. Uh, in the book and we even had a case study that revolves around that incident but i was threatened for my life uh, hmm. so there are two extreme stories that i have uh, used in my book that happened uh, a few years ago i was auditing a company uh, when i i should say more than a few years ago 10 years ago uh, maybe more i went to audit a company very nice professional environment and uh, uh I had to write a non-conformance stuff because they were doing something illegal. Uh, so I it was a very nice company, nice professional people, uh, but I had to write a non-conformance and I communicated them. And as soon as I communicated the non-conformance, uh, 
they kicked me out of the building. And they, they, they said, just just leave the building now. So effectively, mm. and that was the most embarrassing and insulting experience in my uh, whole life. And I, I was literally shaking. I said, what did I do wrong? I, I was doing my job and I did the right thing. And I had to do it. Um, and uh, funny enough that uh, I realized that even though technically I was right, but I did every single possible mistake uh, from soft skills perspective and mm. education perspective. And I was at fault, even though technically speaking, I was 200% right. However, so fast forward, um, uh, 2016, I think it was, uh, I'm at a situation where similar non-conforming I, conformance, I found it, people, uh, the individual, he was very, very... Uh, uh, aggressive person. Uh, he had access to firearm and he threatened. Uh, I got threatened. I felt threatened that I will not go alive from this situation. Mm. Uh, and it was uh, life changing. So in between those uh, 10, 12 years, when I did my job correctly and they were perfectly nice professional people, but they felt they had to kick me out. And now I'm in total opposite situation where this gentleman is very aggressive and I am threatened. But in between, I have learned a lot of soft skills and a lot of uh, techniques. So somehow I managed to use all those things. Wow. Somehow I came out alive without compromising my job. I still. You you brought his voice down, You, you calmed him down. Not only on voice level, on several levels. I, I connected with him on emotions. And uh, at the end, I, I shook hand uh, and wow. uh, we, we uh, came out very amicably. So when I came out of that situation, I was shocked. How did that happen? Uh, how did that happen? So I, I started sharing that story to a lot of my colleagues. And a lot of my colleagues start saying, you should share that because people will benefit what you did here. Uh, and then a lot of people start saying, and then during, if you remember a few years ago, it still is, our US society is very polarized. There's a lot of police uh, aggressive, aggression and yeah. uh, abuse was on social media. And a lot of those things were happening. What Society became very polar. So people start saying, I think people will benefit from this. And that was the trigger to write the book. And that's why we have a book. So it's, I haven't written books just because uh, I want to become famous. I am writing the book because I feel, and a lot of people have told me that people will benefit from it. And society will be a better place if people uh, learn more about it. So, um, so that's the uh, inspiration behind it. Mm. Um, so that's and then you one. promptly left that job after being threatened. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> not promptly. Uh. Not promptly. Uh, I left after five years of that incident. Oh, okay. And I didn't no. leave of that. I left because my personal vision was misaligned with the uh, vision of the company. So, um, and I, I couldn't do what I'm doing now if I was full-time employee of that company because now I can coach yeah. Previously, I my diary was booked doing auditing, and I do less audits and more coaching now. So that's that's the uh, 
the second part of your question was about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And that is very powerful. And I will tell you why it's powerful. Uh, I learned it because of uh, during the audit process, but it is valid and true in all situations. Uh, we, a previous question, we were talking about ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one likes to be told that they are wrong. Uh, as soon as any of those things happens, uh, people go in defensive mode. Yes. And I start giving impression that I'm infallible and you are, you are making mistakes. So the blame is on individual rather than the actual event or process. So I'm, my behavior is giving impression that I'm infallible. I am the ideal person ever existed in this world and you have the, all the problems. So that unsaid dynamics, of course, what I, the way I'm expressing, people don't say it this way, but our actions and body language gives that impression and our mind perceived this way. So, so once we create that, that situation, that dynamic, then it's never effective. It, people will uh, resist you, people will resent, and as things progress, the strain will become more and more, and it, it's not constructive. However, if I am confident enough to share my vulnerability, that I say, look, I know you made a mistake, but I have made that mistake too in the past. I'm not infallible. I'm just like you. I have made the mistakes. Once my uh, listener or a counterpart start feeling that I'm not threatening, I'm not judging them, I'm, I'm relatable to them. I'm also human. Once people start seeing you as, as, as human as they are, People start having rational conversation. I see what you mean. I, I, hmm. I know what you'd say. So the ego is managed. I disarm the egoistic response of defense, defensive mindset. And now I'm saying, look, same mistake. I tell stories. I made this exactly same mistake. So what I'm doing, I'm showing my human side. I'm as human as you are. I'm not ideal. I'm not an angel. So vulnerability becomes more powerful because you are relatable. Yes. So once you become relatable, people want to follow you. You become a leader. Uh, And um, in contrast, if I just start pedagogically, keep giving them instructions and showing only my uh, squeaky clean image, I'm not relatable. So if I'm not relatable, People don't like me. Yeah, that's so so true. That is the power of vulnerability. So if I'm self-assured individual, I know I'm not threatened by uh, sharing this vulnerability. Of course, you have to be careful and mindful and be intelligent about it. But at the same time, if you somehow show to the world that I am as human as you are, Whatever the communication and disagreement we are having is nothing personal. And that's where the vulnerability becomes the strength. I think that's great. So 
man, we've hit ego, we've hit vulnerability. I think there's all kinds of other tips and tools that you talk about in your book. So the book's called Life's Nonconformities. Where can our audience, someone, uh, reach out to you? Where, where can they connect with you? Where can they find this book? Absolutely. Uh, the book is available on almost all uh, outlets, including Amazon. Uh, you can also get a copy from my website, salmanraza.net. Uh, I can type it for you so you, your audience can um, access it. So you can access through uh, Amazon, Book Depository, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Kindle. Um, all the places. All the places. Uh, uh, hopefully all other um, bookstores uh, like uh you know, all the uh, book a million or whatever, the uh, local bookshop. Um, and um, uh, that's where you can, you can find me on LinkedIn and my website probably will be the best place to uh, get a hold okay. of Okay. Well, go connect with Salman Raza. That's S-A-L-M-A-N-R-A-Z-A dot net, right? I get that right? Okay. That's right. So go check out his site, go get his book. It's a really good, a uh, lot of good information. And uh, I think what you've presented with us, with our audience, Civil Engineering Academy has been very valuable. Uh, it's definitely given me some insight and some things to think about. So, Raza, thanks for uh, uh, jumping onto the podcast with me. Appreciate it. And um, yeah, well, I guess we'll see you in the next one. Thank you very much. All right. See you, Solomon. Thank you.